Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. And this is the second episode in the Saturn Return series where I'm bringing on guests that have made their way to the other side of this transformational transit and are now offering you all insight and medicine. These episodes are perfect if you have also finished your Saturn return and you want to have a shared experience with someone else who went through it. Saturn and Aquarius babes, I am looking at you. And to be honest, I'm a Saturn and Capricorn baby, and I have found that these episodes have been incredible for me as well. Even though my Saturn return has finished and I'm a little bit further away from it, it's been so incredible and like useful to just look back and reflect on that period of time in my life. And it feels like an opportunity to kind of reconnect with the lessons that I learned through this period of time. These episodes are also for and inspired by all of the Saturn and Pisces witches that are out there in the early phases of this transit and are hoping to get some information on what to expect and how to prepare But no matter what sign you have Saturn in, these episodes are packed with incredible information and insights that move well beyond astrology. In this episode, I had the pleasure of spending some time with Lex Ritchie from thelexritchie.com. And let me tell you, I felt a deep soul connection with Lex as we talked. And when you get into the interview, you'll hear more for yourselves just how powerful and deep their knowledge and their passion goes. I'm going to read you their bio from their website, thelexritchie.com, and I have all of their links posted in the show notes so you can learn more about Lex and subscribe to their newsletter. And because I'm reading this from Lex's website, I will be speaking in the first person, but this is all Lex. Um, So here we go. Hi, I'm Lex, queer folk magic, tarot reading, ancestor and spirit work, facilitator of liminal experiences guide to radical approaches for mystical exploration, empowering you to trust your intuition and follow your path, which pause already. I mean, when I was looking for guests to bring on the show and I started exploring Lex's work, I was just blown away. I mean, this is some powerful language. And again, I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode because I know it's going to be filled with so much wisdom, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what current practices you have in your craft. Lex is such a wealth of information and I felt so reinvigorated and inspired and really eager to learn more about their work. So let me continue on with the bio. What I do. 
I'm a facilitator of liminal experiences. Through folk magic, spirit work, and tarot, I help spiritual rebels, academic witches, and mystical revolutionaries like you go beyond the conventional, learn to trust your own intuition, and make your own path through the magical realm. Through divination, meditation, and education, it is my goal to help you connect to your own wisdom and learn to be in conversation with the beyond so you can be your own guide to mystical exploration. I'm here to help you learn to communicate with and explore the beyond in your own way. I'm a mystical guide, spirit worker, facilitator of magical education, and tarot reader for rebels, former rule followers, and weirdos, the folks who like going beyond the conventional and finding their own way. I'm not a healer. I'm a teacher. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to connect you to the tools to heal yourself. And I'm going to pause there. If you want to learn more about Lex and what they do and their offerings, I would encourage you. And even if, even if you're not currently looking to get a tarot reading or some of this isn't in your practice right now, Lex has incredible resources on their website. Some are, you know, you pay for them and others are just available like their blog. And so I would encourage everyone to go check it out get on their newsletter. I've already signed up. I'm so excited to learn more and hear more. And I'm definitely going to ask Lex to come back on the episode to go a little bit more in depth with the ancestral work that they do. So I will quit talking because I'm so eager for you to get into this episode and to hear directly from Lex what they offer, what their Saturn return was like. And I, I can't say enough wonderful things. This was such a, like a profound and meaningful experience for me to be able to be in this conversation. And I know it's going to bring so much value to you as you go about your day and as you continue moving through this crazy thing called life, right? So here we are with Lex. All right. Hello, Lex. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. And I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, these episodes are really important to me, and I have a handful of them scheduled, but today we are going to talk about your experience with your Saturn return. And before we do that, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to some of the listeners. I would have already read your bio, but do you want to, in your own words, introduce yourself to the corporate coven? Yeah. So I'm Lex. I use they, them pronouns. And basically what I do is I'm a facilitator of liminal experiences. I help people who are spiritual rebel, rebels, mystical revolutionaries, and just, you know, kind of nerdy witches figure out how to go beyond the conventional and pursue their own interests in the beyond um, and really get empowered to trust their intuition as their compass as they move through that. Um, yeah. I sort of specialize in ancestor work and, but really I'm, I'm a generalist and I take a folk magical approach to all of this. Yeah. One thing that I noticed on your website when I was exploring, um, your content was you refer to your tarot sessions as tarot empowerment sessions. And that really stood out to me. I thought that is a brilliant way to frame that experience. Thank you. I, yeah. and that's like the whole thing and I, I guess like I first came to tarot like when I was introduced to tarot I was a kid I was like 11 and I was introduced oh, cool. to it in like a sort of old-fashioned way where like all the court cards are authority figures outside of you it's pretty heteronormative mm -hmm. and I think that there can be merit to reading that way um but as a young kid 
as a young queer person, it did not resonate. And Mm -hmm. so it was really important for me in forming my professional tarot practice to center what made tarot work for me, which is that tarot is a tool for empowerment and not necessarily for like predicting the future, but like showing how you can meet the future in an empowered way. I love that. I feel like that's a big part of my message and my branding as well is stepping into your own inner authority and recognizing that we all have that within us. Sure. There are external environments and there are authority figures in your, in our life and archetypes that we have to work up and kind of move through in our own hero's journey, if you will. And a lot of it is about owning and reclaiming our own inner authority. And I was so fascinated. I I was really excited that you brought up um, like folk magic and ancestry magic. I remember you even have something on your website that was talking about like what to do if like if you're white or if like you don't have like a good relationship with your ancestors. And that really resonated for me because I would say that I fall into that category. And I'm curious to know like what was your journey into folk magic or how did you start doing more of that kind of like ancestral focused work? Yeah. So for me, I grew up in a small town with that has a very like prominent Italian American community. And I'm Italian American. My family is is Italian American um, from Southern Italy. And so that magic just being a thing that kind of happens, mm-hmm. it was something that I grew up with. Um, it's, you know, of course, like a little bit more like hush hush than just than if like, I don't know, like everybody in my family had been like into the new age or like Wicca or something. Yeah. Um, but that kind of like, you know, you walk in the house and you you ring a bell to keep away any spirits that you might have brought with you. Like that was a thing that was something I grew up with. And mm-hmm. so and I'm also I'm also a very practical person. <laughs> And so that's just like, I'm just going to do what works. And if I do not need a big pageant or production, if I don't need to like have a 20 minute invocation of spirits in order to do this working, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So yeah. I actually really appreciate every time I have a guest on here or that I connect with someone who shares with me that they kind of grew up and they were always around it or they were exposed to it. Like even hearing that you started, you know, like really recognizing tarot as a practice around like 11, I grew up in a very conservative state within a very conservative Christian religion. And I kept, I mean, I think a lot of people experienced this, but there were so many messages around how like that was evil and you can only be happy if you're part of this religion because anything else is, you know, like quote unquote wicked. And now that I, I'm a mom and I have a young daughter and she has done Oracle cards with me and we, we look at tarot and we talk about her goddesses and her chart and stuff like that. And even though I think I've healed a lot of the experience of, you know, that mindset of growing up in that environment and transitioning out of it, I think it really gives me confidence that I'm not like somehow turning my daughter like into wickedness or or something. She's going to experience something that is going to be really harmful. And I really love meeting other people. They're like, yeah, I've, I've always been around it or I grew up with it. And you seem like a very sane and normal, wonderful person. And so I really appreciate you sharing that experience. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I just, from my own perspective, like I, I say I grew up in this, like sort of in this tradition, Yeah. but my mom decided she, so she grew up in this Italian Catholic family. Uh, she decided not to baptize her children, which like yeah. incredibly controversial. Um, so just to say, like, you know, we turned out okay. Right. No, it's same. 
people have still been asking me, well, is she going to get baptized? I'm like, nope, yeah, not unless that's, you that's up to her. her away. Like, yeah, my, right. I, my, one of my sisters has been baptized in a church. Yeah. Um, another one of my sisters is a complete atheist. And yeah. like, I'm here doing magic. Like, we, yeah. you just find your own path. And Absolutely. it works out. I love that. That actually kind of like ties in um, all of my podcast guests. I ask them to share a quote that inspires them or that they really love. And the quote that you shared, I'd actually never heard before. And it's, you cannot take what you have not given and you must give yourself. You cannot buy the revolution. You cannot make the revolution. You can only be the revolution. That comes from, is this a book, The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin? Le Guin. Yeah. So Ursula K. Le Guin is my favorite author. She was an amazing science fiction and fantasy writer and had anarchist politics. Mm -hmm. And that book is kind of her envisioning what like this anarchist society, this society where like everything is held in common Mm -hmm. um, and people are really self-governing, what that would look like. And I love this quote because you know, when we look at the world today and everything is just like so bad, it's like, how do we even get from here to what happens next? Yeah. And it you need this kind of like both a surrender to the process and the like confidence and empowerment in order to believe that like you're allowed to engage in the process, that mm-hmm. the process is worth engaging with. Um and yeah, that level of like faith and surrender to that and trust in that is something that's personally like been really difficult for me to yeah. embody to trust. And so that quote really like encapsulates the worldview that I have and this that part of that worldview that I'm trying to embody and live into mm-hmm. um, of of that this is something I have to embody now, that this is something I have to do my best with now and not just like push it off for the future. Um, This is, this is something that gets grappled with in the moment. And, and, you know, our politics should be about living and not just about like some far off, like fantasy future. It's not just about utopia. It's about living now. Yeah. I loved it because it's such an Aquarian ideal, right? And it actually reminded me of that line in Fight Club, like the revolution will not be televised. Mm-hmm. And it really is the idea. I mean, I think a lot of astrologers quote Seneca. I know I do like quite often with, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without. And the idea of like, we see so much happening in the external world. And that really is a reflection of what's happening internally for us. And similarly, when we hope to see a change in the external environment, it really begins with us and accepting our ownership and accountability in the situation, but also feeling empowered that we can make this change. And I love, I'm going to repeat this line of it. You cannot take what you have not given and you must give yourself. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. There's, and I hear this in conversations with people all of the time of like, well, this is what's wrong with the world. And and these people just need to, and it's like, well, what are you, what are you doing? How are you contributing to this? Or what are you doing personally for your own revolution? Um, And it it really is about doing the work. I I read this and I was like, oh, this is a very Saturn in Aquarius. This is very much, which we're going to talk about, right? Because you're a Saturn in Aquarius baby. 
And um, we're going to be talking about your Saturn return. So let's actually start talking about the astrology. And I always want to touch base with people on their big three, the sun, moon rising. Um, I have it in my notes, but do you want to share your big three and kind of like your relationship with your chart? Yeah. So my sun is in Scorpio. My rising is Sagittarius and my moon is in Capricorn, which is like, I, I don't know. The end of the year is always really fun for me because yeah. like I get these, like each one of these like essential parts of my embodiment get like lit up and I get mm-hmm. to like really dive deep in each of those seasons. Um, so that's something I really love about it. And I also get like this nice balance. So you get the fire, you got the water, you've got the, the earth. It's yeah. 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 I, that was the first thing I thought of too, of like their neighbors. They're just right next door. Not necessarily in conversation, but like, you know, um, definitely that, that fall like into winter time of yeah, year. Like that, that's just like the season. That season is just like my life and embodiment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that time of year too, where it is about kind of like coming into yourself and we're staying indoors and we're doing more of that like thoughtfulness. What do I need to get through this winter? Which I think really echoes the idea of like a lot of this power comes from within and a lot of the strength comes from like, it's an internal process. Like that's very much reflected in the big three. Yeah. And I also think like, you know, especially with that winter, like the importance of like the solstice festivals in yeah. countries where, where it's colder, it's like, those are community festivals where like communities come together and share their resources in like the scarcest of times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like really like big community vibes there too. Yeah, absolutely. Which we won't get into the details of your chart. You shared your information with me. Um, so I can do like a little bit of prep work for the episode, but I can see that community and connection is a really significant part of your chart's expression. And actually your Saturn is a big part of that conversation, which is really cool. So let's transition and let's talk about your Saturn return. Um, you recently wrapped yours up, although having early Saturn, the first degree Aquarius, the really like exactness was more at the beginning of the transit, but still we've recently transitioned into Saturn and Pisces. So you're on the other side of it and you survived, right? And you're here. Can you tell me what beliefs did you have about the Saturn return transit before you went through it? Like what were some thoughts that you had or messages that you had heard and, and what was your general feel like knowing that it was about to begin? Yeah, so I had heard about the Saturn return um probably about the time like Saturn went into Capricorn mm-hmm. and um I've got I've got a Capricorn stellium and so like my life was falling apart yeah. when Saturn was transiting all of my Capricorn planets and I'm like my Saturn return is going to be so bad because yeah. like my life is already falling apart and I hear all of these stories of like, you know, people who wouldn't have this like reason for like getting a double hit of that Saturn energy who are like, oh, my life fell apart with my Saturn return. Um, my life fell apart before my Saturn return. Yeah. So um, yeah, I thought it was going to be just like this, like extra big falling apart. Um, but really it was sort of like a falling together. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like everything like got exploded and then just like, oh, we're, and then just came together much more refined yeah um, if that makes sense absolutely that's such a cool way to to think about it that when everything was in Capricorn it really was about like the dismantling of those existing structures especially because part of that stellium I'm a 90s baby you're a 91 and so we have that outer planet grouping right so that Uranus yeah. Neptune um and the idea of like breaking through like really like dismantling ruining and then like is there even structure here so then when it was time to go into Aquarius it was really more about like a rebuilding if you will yeah 
Yeah. Was there any type of like prep work that you did? I mean, while Saturn was in Capricorn and, and things felt like it was falling apart and then anticipating the Saturn return, were there any strategies or like resources that you felt like you were like leaning on really heavily to help prepare you through the transit? Yeah. So like what I thought was going to be really helpful were like systems and structures and like, so schedules, right. Mm -hmm. And like, um, really detailed, like goal setting. Um, and that, you know, so I like, I had those tools already to some extent. I'm like, I'm going to get like really serious about this because like Saturn and I'm going to stay focused and, you know, I want to keep my eye on the prize while like everything's getting dismantled. Like, you know, like let this get dismantled in service of a vision. Um, but what, like, I don't think what ended up kind of being the thing is like learning to find flexible structure. Mm. Um, so it's sort of like, yeah, what would my, my Saturn, what my Saturn return really taught me was like that it's not necessarily the scaffolding. Yeah. Right. It's like what the scaffolding is helping you build. Mm. And, and so, yeah, that level of like, it's not just the tools, like, right. You have to select the right tools for the job. Yeah. It's making me think about, is it Japanese architecture where they use bamboo actually in the building? And so that way it's easier to withstand earthquakes and actual shifting of the earth. It is about like, how do you build something that is, that is inherently flexible yeah. and can withstand movement and adjustment. I think of Aquarius and I think about number one, like I think about chaos, like it's absolute and utter chaos. And I actually have a mentor that she, she chooses to use the word trauma. Although I always like to distinguish that there are big T's and little T's. Um, but Aquarius is a sign that we think about like with some type of trauma, I expected this to happen and it didn't happen. You know, I expected to be safe and I was not safe. I expected this outcome and it didn't happen or something along those lines. And the way that we experience and respond to those, those, you know, moments of trauma or those moments of, you know, the big T's or little T's really has to do with our own resilience and our own flexibility, as well as what our support systems look like. Right. And that's kind of like what I'm envisioning as you describe this of being able to maybe loosen some of the expectations and not being so rigid with it has to be this way. And I think Capricorn always has these really clearly defined measures of success and Aquarius is like, can you be open to innovating? Can you be open to changing that? What if information comes in and we need to, we need to think differently about this? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's like this sort of interesting, like in-group, out-group kind of interplay in, in yeah. Capricorn versus oh, like yeah. Aquarius. It's sort of like, and you know, as somebody with a, a Capricorn moon, it's like, I want to achieve in this like really maybe, con I, you know, conventional way, I guess, yeah. but like then with the Aquarius, it's sort of just like, how do we build firm structures that support the, the weird stuff, you know, like how do yeah. we, how do we build structures on the edges that actually support unconventional, whatever this thing that we actually want to create, not just like the, right. So it's like, my the Capricorn is like oh I desire this thing that I like that looks so shiny and that uh -huh. like, society has told me to value and at least that's my experience of it yeah and then like the Aquarius is actually like 
you have really good skills with this building, this practical, can we, can we use this over here mm -hmm. where like people actually need the help? And yeah. And it's some, and sometimes that's like, that looks like working in community. And sometimes it's like, I run, you know, I run my own business and yeah. I'm a queer and disabled person. And so it's like, how do I build business systems yeah. that actually support my embodiment instead of like trying to copy uh like how business is done out in capitalism yeah I again like I appreciate you sharing your chart with me and I won't speak to the details of it but I definitely recognize signatures that exist within your chart that really is asking for that embodiment of redefining and revolutionizing structures especially when it comes to what is valued and what is seen as valuable and I, I love hearing that. I think that's such a, a key thing. I'm curious to know, like in your Saturn return, what were some of the standout experiences, either when you noticed like the transit being like direct or when you were like, I, I didn't like, I think sometimes as astrologers, we, we love to like look ahead and we try to like pick out like defining moments. And then sometimes it's unexpectedly like this happened and it completely changed my perspective and it wasn't necessarily on the exact hit but it was during that transit like what were some of your standout like this changed everything for me yeah and so the I had three direct hits yeah and some <laughs> were like absolutely like you know this happened it happened and my life changed um I think probably because of all of the Saturn in Capricorn stuff where like I was leaving grad school and moving across the country yeah. and like trying to like establish a life in, you know, back in Ohio and that, yeah, I basically blew up my grad school life. Um, and so like I, I'd blown up everything that needed to be like blown up structurally mm -hmm. before that. And so a lot of the exact hits for me were more like, you know, okay, you've built, you've started to like act on this, like, grander like slightly more radical vision for what your life could look like but where are you still replicating these same patterns like where are you like trying to force yourself to work eight hours a day where are you trying to like um say like this needs to happen every day or like you know, like what is where are you trying to make yourself be like an automaton yeah. instead of just like actually working with the the flow of life mm -hmm. um and and that was really hard for me as somebody with ADHD who for whom a strict schedule has been like the thing that kept like I was I was undiagnosed for years mm -hmm. because like I have that like I'm I need to be there I'm but it's like it builds this like anxiety it's like this like pressure to like yeah it, like the, and the schedule is law you know yeah. And so one of the biggest shifts that I've been able to solidify post Saturn return, like now that this is like fully wrapped up for me is like, I have a flexible schedule, like a genuinely flexible schedule where like, I don't have, it doesn't have to be on the calendar and mm -hmm. I don't have to like, you know, it used to be like every Wednesday at this time, this is the time I make phone calls, right? Like it's so specific. Right. Um, and yeah, now, like, and mostly things get done. Some weeks they don't, but, like, then I catch up. And I can actually, like, live with that flexible schedule and, like, honor my body's needs. Yeah. 
I love that. I think that is hard. Like, I think, I think a lot of us are kind of born with that, with that energy. Like we were raised by individuals who lived in that the majority of the adults that we grew up around and the systems, especially ones that were valued. Like, I don't know. And for me, like growing up, the ideal was being like a businesswoman. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in business. I wanted to wear a pantsuit. I wanted to have ridiculous hours and a caffeine addiction, which I have accomplished in my life. Right. But now I'm trying to like undo some of that of like, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing. And I think it is hard to kind of unlearn some of that. And sometimes it does take one of these really intense transits to figure that out. I'm a Saturn in Capricorn. And so my life was also falling apart when Saturn was in Capricorn for other reasons. Um, but it really was like some of those like moments of difficulty. And I think that's one thing that I love talking about with the Saturn return transit is that I'm not, my attempt with these episodes isn't to be like, you guys thought it was going to be thunderclouds. And actually it was all sunshine and rainbows because it's not right. It's a, it is a time of trial and that's, you know, Saturn is a malefic for a reason and there's strife and like no difficulty that comes with it. And every hard thing is refining us in some way. And it really is about a moment of learning lessons. You might've already spoken to this, but like, how would you summarize like the greatest lesson that you learned through the transit? Um, when things are hard, just stop. Yeah. Like you don't have to like keep forcing it and like things that things shouldn't be hard. Mm. is is another one is like it doesn't things don't have to be hard um which is like that's a big one and I'm st- and like that one still like feels like whoa I can I said that like oh my god like, <laughs> <laughs> because and you know you were talking about like what was the ideal when you were growing you know like in, you had this like businesswoman ideal and I grew up and like I grew up working class and so like the ideal is like this like you know, six to three first mm. shift job. And you just, you clock in, you do your work. You don't think about it. You just, you know, you just do the work yeah. and then you leave and like, you know, and so that level of like, you just show up, you do the work, you put in the hours, you, you know, you shut up and you don't think for yourself. Um, yeah. You just follow the rules. That was like really really ingrained in me and like then I and I went to grads you know and like I, I sort of transcended that some of that like working class you know like class becomes complicated like you know mm-hmm. when, when you talk about grad school and stuff but like absolutely so I went to grad school and like I'm at this like really pretty elite grad school where like most of my peers their their parents had you know, graduate degrees and everything. I'm trying to fit in and like, because that's what you do. You show up, you fit in, you don't yeah. argue. And it's like you, so much of like the stuff that I had to like push down. That was the thing that was happening during Saturn Cameron was like, I don't want to push this down anymore. I don't want to shove all of this aside in order to like scale to these like societally recognized heights. Yeah. Um, and then with the Saturn Aquarius is like, how, how do I, even after I've made that like decision about how I want to live my life and that embodiment, how do I 
still, how am I still carrying all of that baggage and trauma forward? And this might, part of this might be like where it is in my chart, uh-huh. um, the house it's in, but it's just like, how am I carrying forward these like lessons I learned as a kid about what work looks like and what it looks like to make a living? Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, a lot of that is about like struggle and putting in the work and like the nobleness of that and that work should be hard, you know? Yes. So yeah. You are speaking to a part of my soul. Like I can't even explain to you, Lex. Like my parents, um, like I grew up like in working class as well, which I think is where I wanted to like, I wanted to be everything opposite of my parents. And I think mm-hmm. that we were actually in grad school around the same time. Um, and I felt really out of place there because I was like a first gen student uh, and yeah. I actually got a lot of flack and a lot of like I got a, I got teased quite a bit. Yeah, like, it's hard. There's like so many rules and no one tells you and you're just supposed to know, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It was a it was a really trying time. And it was about like, I mean, the thing that you said that I am just I'm kind of like shook on right now is that the belief that it should be hard. You have to work hard. It, and, it, and it should be hard and it should be grueling. And that's such a Saturnian thing, right? Because I always like refer it like Saturn demands mastery and the idea that in order to achieve that, you have to work really hard. And, and that's something that just isn't true. In fact, there's so much, I, I love the concept of strengths from the Gallup organization. And a lot of my like, like IO psychologists and like individuals like that, that I love to follow their work actually talk about the opposite of you actually find mastery where it's easy and you follow the flow. And that's more of that Jupiterian perspective, right? Of what feels like luck, what comes really naturally to you. That's where you're going to experience mastery and success. Saturn asks you to apply yourself and really like, you know, develop and invest in those skills. But I think that we have this this kind of like messed up societal belief of like, you know, you're supposed to hate your job. You're supposed to suffer in it. Um, you're supposed to work really, really hard and it's going to take you a million years to ever, you know, afford retirement or something like that. And, and absolutely like we need to like radicalize and revolutionize that perspective. It doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. And I think, you know, during my Saturn return, something I was really puzzling over is in astro herbalism, Saturn rules cannabis and of that right and I'm just like I was like this is so strange to me especially you know because of the you know cannabis is like so much more high in THC now whatever but like what is what 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 is happening there and I think I was thinking about like you know cannabis is like this thing that like when you get high on weed it's like you it creates structures against your like your own agency in your life and you kind of just have to surrender to that a little bit right yeah and that was what made me realize that like things don't have to be hard like this the saturn medicine of cannabis is that the world's actually okay right like yes. that, that like once you surrender you see like oh no actually this is this is fine. Once yeah. you like are no longer like trying to force every, and once you're no longer trying to like be Saturn and instead you're just letting Saturn like be for you. Yes. You're like, okay, I can, I can trust this world a little bit more. Like, 
I am a I didn't know that I'm so grateful you shared that information with me yeah and it's like such a paradox and I don't think like you know I'm not like saying like go try cannabis sure yeah during your Saturn return like this it's not necessarily like that if that's not mm-hmm. the thing it's just like think about this like metaphor of like what does cannabis do for the human body yes. and how does that embody a Saturn lesson like what do you what do you learn when you let Saturn place restrictions on you instead of trying to place restrictions on your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Like you're blowing my mind in so many ways right now. This is incredible. And actually, I I love that you bring that up because um, I think that I've, and I've shared this before in my podcast with listeners, but Saturn moving into Pisces, I think we're going to finally see some like final commitments and decisions around the legalization and recreational use of cannabis. It's been a big part of the Neptune in Pisces story. And so I'm really interested to see actually that relationship. And I had no idea that Saturn had that relationship with cannabis, but that's something that I've like been like keeping an eye on. And so I'm I'm fascinated by that. That's yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like when they find that out and like when I found it, I was like, oh, that's so strange. I like absolutely expected cannabis to be associated with Jupiter and with Pisces. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. And, you know, people who are like more into astro herbalism than me will tell you, you know, that's a lot because of the ways weed has changed over the years. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Yeah. But just like in thinking on that paradox and trying to like make it make sense for me why cannabis is traditionally ruled by Saturn in astral herbalism. Yeah. Like, yeah, that paradox is just like such a little nugget of like Saturnian wisdom. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm like wanting to go immediately do some research projects now. Like I, <laughs> I love that. Um, brilliant. I am curious to know, like now that you're on the other side, well, and actually like if I can, if I can share this, I want to say that you're on the other side of your Saturn return, but you now have Pluto that's flirting with your natal Saturn. And so I'm actually curious, like, do you feel like you're fully on the other side of your Saturn transit or what's getting maybe re-triggered or reactivated? Yeah. And so before we move on, I do want to like, for you and for anybody else who's like, Ooh, I'm like super intrigued by cannabis as a Saturnian thing. I highly recommend, um, black South apothecary as a a resource to learn more from. So I'll um, link them in the show notes um, for anyone listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Okay. Pluto. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I actually have this like really interesting, like set of themes in my chart where like, and I, I don't know like why this is, but like, you know, with the Capricorn and then the Aquarius stuff, um, and then I had a sixth house year followed by like a series of sixth house plus 12th house eclipses. Mm-hmm. Like I get these, like, I keep having these patterns of like, oh, I've gone through it. And then like, nope, we're like, we keep getting just these kidding. like, repeated, You're back. Yeah, yeah, for whatever, like just how my chart is arranged. And so I think the thing with Saturn and Pluto will be pretty different actually Mm. um then my Saturn return lessons uh just because I have Pluto it's basically conjunct my son um and so this is like really a lesson much more about like my embodiment Mm. and my work in the world in my opinion like this is what I'm yeah Yeah, yeah. um then what's then the Saturn return lessons which are more about like how I structure and relate to my dreams and desires. Um, This is going to be more about like, how do I 
share safely from my depths like that big big 12th house like lesson there for me that I've been moving through um yeah as somebody who has like a whole bunch of 12th house stuff going on yeah um and with Pluto there as well it'll be very much like how do I share the depths of my work in a sufficiently boundaried way Mm. um yeah and so with that that third house being my like that Saturn and Aquarius house it'll you know and again like relating to like the third house being like community and sharing and like that kind of thing I think I think it's going to be much more about like my work and and so then of course there are like in the Saturn return, I built a lot of work structures. Um, but this is going to be more about like how I personally come through in that work. Yeah. than the work itself. If that yeah. Sense. I was thinking about it as like, okay, like you learned all these lessons. Now what do you do about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, can you put them into practice? And that's something that I think someone who's like been through higher education, right? Like that's really a difference between an undergraduate degree, in my opinion, and like a graduate degree is in the undergraduate, you're learning all of the more like elevated because it's past like the elementary education where you learn like the building blocks of the world. And then in undergraduate, you expand on that. But then in graduate, it's like now put it into practice. Now, yeah. what do you do about it? Can you use it ethically? Can you can you think for yourself and can you you know build and, and contribute to this like body of work? And I think it is key to recognize like I mean, even like, you know, Aquarius and the tarot is represented by the star and it's like, you know, the pouring out of yourself and into the consciousness of the collective. But with that scorpionic water, like the depth of the soul, really being mindful of the psychological safety that is still required from you to other people, like pouring into yeah. communities that are ready to accept that. And yeah, yeah, I think on you. not to, sorry, not to interrupt you, but like the yeah. way you just phrase that is like so perfect. Like as somebody who has health, heavy 12th house energy, um, there are like in what I teach, I, I think a lot about like my responsibilities and like what I am capable of mm-hmm. doing versus like, you know, not everybody's necessarily capable of doing that. And I have a problem where like as somebody who's very Jupiterian, I kind of assume that like, if I can do something, everybody can do something. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, as in, as somebody who's like called to teach, it's gotten it, it's become a problem occasionally. Like I grew up in a very musical family mm. and I used to teach dance classes and I was, I was having a conversation with uh, my partner who I taught dance for. And um, that was originally how we met. And um, I was they've since become a musician. They've since learned how to play music. And they're like, I didn't realize that when you're dancing, you're supposed to like only listen to like one part of the song, like either the melody or the bass. And that's like how you choose your rhythm. Uh And I was like, I didn't, when I was teaching, I didn't realize that that was something somebody wouldn't know. Right. And so, and like, and so I, I just assume like, if I know it, if it feels like second nature to me, of course, like this is, common knowledge for everybody but it's it's not and like being somebody with all that 12th house energy like Mm -hmm. there's that comes with a responsibility yeah when you're teaching from that 12th house so it's not just about like how can I share safely but like how can I share in a way that's safe for people who engage with my work and you know there are limits to like how 
like, you know, there's the, uh, you know, I, I can't protect everybody who engages with my work. Like that's not my responsibility, but how do I set up structures so that the people who do begin to engage with that work have like benchmarks for like consent and like easy places of like, if you want to go deeper, here's where you go deeper. If you want to peace out, like that's totally cool. Here's where you peace out. Mm, And here's how, you know, It, it makes me think about how like you can only live three days without water, but you can drink too much water that you can like drown yourself. And it's really important to kind of like let people know, like you're dehydrated, drink some, but also like you're at your limit, maybe pause. Like you're drinking more than your body can absorb in a healthful and meaningful way. Yeah. I I don't know if you've seen the Teal Swan documentary that was like last year. Oh my God. It has big 12th house energy too. And it's like, Oh, for sure. That's like, you know, this is sort of like, sometimes you, when you like, you can learn by looking at opposites and it's like, where is the responsibility here of a 12th house person? I'm like, I don't don't know that I think she's living up to like what I think the responsibility should be. I don't know if you're open to it, but I feel like we just became best friends because (laughs) I have a 12th house stellium and I used to teach dance. And so I feel like, I feel like we're best friends now, but we can talk about that. (laughs) But absolutely. I think that's so critical. And I think that's like a Saturnian thing as well. Like that boundary, right? I think that, um, you know, we, you brought it up with like Chill Swan. Like I think about like the cult opportunity and especially when we find like thought leaders or teachers that we can very easily become obsessed with. And again, like give our authority and our power away. And this happens, I see this actually happen a lot in educational structures because we find a specific philosopher or we find a specific teacher this happens in religion but it also happens in any of those more like jupiterian ninth house like type topics where they are now the expert that we turn to and we give all of our authority away and so kind of going back to the quote that you shared right it's about that like that self-processing and that self-empowerment and recognizing your own inner authority and being able to check in of like do I agree? Do I disagree? And will I absorb this as my truth or where do I need to draw that boundary? Yeah. That's, that's one reason why like I center empowerment in my work is because like, if you're going to do this work, like the first tool you need to have is that inner sense of like, where, where, what is my intuition telling me? What is Mm -hmm. my body telling me? What do, what do I think about this? Um, and it's not a skill we really like learn um like how to think about how to first of all like how to think critically like that's not something we're really like taught well at any level of education and then how do how do we think about like weird things that don't necessarily like don't appear to follow like the laws of physics yeah um that it's this is something like of a passion project of mine and like I'm working on a kind of big research project about you know how do we like look at the new age even if we're not new age practitioners like all of us in the modern spiritual community mm-hmm. have some inheritance like due to the fact that like the new age was so huge in the 80s yep. that we can even like talk so openly about this stuff that's because of the new age and the new age, the legacy of the new age is deeply problematic. It's often like super racist and yeah. ableist and even sometimes eugenicist. Yeah. And so like, how do we think about our current relationship to spirituality and the way 
spirituality currently manifests, given that we have this like historical connection to a movement that was like, you know, not, not one that I would be proud to be a part of. Preach. I mean, like, absolutely. That's something that I think about all the time because like a lot of the practices that I engage in, and I would say like a lot of what I believe now similarly is like rooted in like the new age, which has problems historically. And I am part of corporate and I brand myself with the corporate, right? Which has very similar origins and roots. And alternatively, like, you know, I am like a white comes from like areas of the world where there are really problematic parts of that history and that ancestry, which is also why like that one offering that you have on your website, like really stood out to me because it is about, you know, and I've been talking about this with the current like Pluto retrograde motion is, you know, we're going back and we're looking at these structures and we're saying, look, is, is the answer to abolish? Is the answer to completely blow it up? Like the tower, like, is it to take it all the way back down to its foundation? Or is there something salvageable? Do we look at just updating the scaffolding? Is yeah. it about, um, is it about the uh, beginning of something new or the innovation of what was there for improvement? And I think that's a lot of the lessons that we're learning and it really starts with having these conversations about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like, if one, one, one common response is like, just this thing is bad, so mm -hmm. don't engage with it. And it's like, that is the response that lets the alt-right or the new age to alt-right pipeline begin to exist yeah and like just and then everybody be surprised about it right like yeah if you just like no we're not the new age so we don't have to think about this and we don't have to engage with this and we can just say we're not connected to that and thinking yeah. that that like just cuts the cord it doesn't like our spiritual systems like still have that inheritance. And if we don't look at the larger history and grapple with it and look at and think like, how do we actually solve the problem of the fact like we inherited a way of orienting to spirituality that is like super transphobic. Mm -hmm. um, we end up with people who go from divine feminine, divine masculine circles right into Wuhanon. Like, and then yeah. we're like, what happened? I don't yeah. know. Like this yeah. is a modern phenomenon. No, it's not. Like <laughs> right, right. And I mean, like for me, it just like brings me right back to like the quote that you shared, right, from Ursula is, um, "You cannot make the revolution. You can only be the revolution." This expectation that this is going to take care of itself. Someone else is going to address this. Like I don't think that you need radical ownership because it is important to be clear of like what is yours to carry versus what's not yours, what's in your sphere of control and what's not. But also recognizing that it is worthwhile to pause and take a look at your own internal beliefs and processes, which also I do think is what this Saturn return transit really kind of offers you. It's that moment to really stop and take inventory. Like you've been through an entire Saturn cycle at this point, the Saturn square, the Saturn opposition, like the closing Saturn square, all of those are significant moments in our life where we have the opportunity to evaluate what is being cemented, like what is becoming a structure, or you could even say like a reinforced neurological pathway in our mind that we unconsciously travel. And then in that Saturn return moment, it is, am I accepting this? Yeah. Like, am yeah. I, do I want this to be concrete and am I committed to this or am I now going to do the work to rewire the neurological pathways to rebuild these structures and is structure 
the answer or or is it more about the flow like what does that look like yeah like a big energetic con mari kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. like yeah and i think about you know you were bringing up ancestors and ancestor work and i think that there is a particular like there's there's like a nice like they mirror each other right like the sort of i guess to say like this process of reckoning that I'm talking about in spiritual spaces echoes like an individual process of reckoning that people may have with their ancestors Mm. um because you know just because your ancestors were shitty people doesn't mean you don't have that legacy and it doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities to that legacy whether that responsibility is uh, healing harms that Mm -hmm. some shitty ancestors may have perpetrated on marginalized ancestors that you had like that is a common dynamic is like you know who in your family lineage you know which patriarchal assholes were harming women in your line and how does that intersect with the ways that patriarchy is and intersected with white supremacy because there's these systems are deeply intertwined right and in responding to the ancestral harms perpetrated on women in your family line can help you look at ameliorating family legacies of white supremacy as well and thinking about you know what responsibilities do you have now if you know say you were somebody who has an inheritance that benefited in some way which like of course it did yeah um, from these systems of white supremacy and these larger systems of oppression like what does that mean for your responsibility to ameliorate that legacy now yeah um, and yeah you this this amelioration can either happen in some like uh, i don't know there's i have the thing i could talk about this forever so oh me <laughs> too i know bit, yeah. you're saying this and i'm like oh my gosh i have maybe we need it like this is just a sign that we need to have another podcast episode because i'm thinking like you know so much of what i do is career focused but like i think that a lot of people sleep on the opposition from the 10th and the fourth house and Mm. if you think about the 10th house and it being your legacy and the part of your chart which is most visible and public then the fourth house is your root system and those are so often mirrored and what's moving in through your roots is going to inform the more visible structure and the strength Absolutely. of that foundation. Is when like it's why, one reason why I think ancestor work can be so important, especially for people who are concerned about justice or creating a better world, however yeah. you might phrase that, is like, you know, when we look at our ancestral legacies, like those are our root systems. That's mm-hmm. how we're growing in this world. And if we don't take care to like, nourish the roots or to ameliorate that soil that still fuels our growth Mm -hmm. and so and and you know earlier you were talking about as above so below Mm -hmm. and I think there's this way that some people think of as above so below as a hierarchical oh yeah system of like as above so below will mirror the above right Um, but I think of it it's it's more fractal um, so like when you nurture the below, what happens above changes and it doesn't, it's not in this way of like, I think it's almost like Persephone, right? Like yeah. Persephone is somebody who engages deeply with 
the earth, with the compost, with all of that, like, you know, and in Greek myth, like everything under the earth is the underworld. Yeah. And all of that is actually what the, creates the compost and the nourishment and the nutrients that then create the growth of plants that creates the abundance. So it's like that compost is actually an essential fractal part that's feeding the above. Like we need to tend to both, like to look at only part of it doesn't actually solve the problem. Mm. Okay, yeah. Scorpio, I hear you. I love that. <laughs> I love that. We're actually recording on the day of the eclipse too, which is so fun. I, I think that this is so powerful. I do feel like we're going to need a follow-up episode because I could talk to you all day about this. I looked at your chart and I was like, I could talk to you all day about your chart. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go back to the, um, the Saturn return. Lex, what would you offer to folks who are in their Saturn return right now, all of the Saturn and Pisces babes who are listening that are like, I'm here because I am freaking out and I have catastrophized this transit, or maybe I'm not stressed, but I do want to feel empowered to kind of get through and make the most of this period of refinement. What are like resources or words that you might leave them with? Yeah, I would say like looking at structures and whether or not those structures are aligned with your desires mm. and not even just like in the way like, oh, go get out a pen and paper and start like, you know, uh, making a list of all of the like structures in your life, whether that's like the time you get up or like not, that's not necessarily like what I'm thinking about, but like where is your desire kind of like bumping up against the guardrail mm. of that easy path and, and you know like that I'm kind of getting this image of like you know when you're driving along the highway and like there's this like beautiful vista over there mm -hmm. but like you're going straight right like where are you like, ooh, I want to go over there and explore, but the road keeps going straight ahead, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and just like looking for those places as opportunities for curiosity and growth. Um, not like thinking like something has to happen here, but just like, what am I, what do I notice about this? Why do I want to go over there? What would happen if I did stop and take a moment and explore and have fun? Mm -hmm. Um yeah. What if you, what if you did the opposite of what you've been doing? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big scary thing. And like, that's a lot of what my like Saturn return was versus like those first Saturn transits. Yeah. Um, it was like, what if I just did the opposite? Like, I, the, yeah, the first Saturn transits were like, what if you blew up your life? And then it was like, what if I just kept blowing it up, but making it fun? Yeah. Like what if it's a confetti like, you know, one of those like confetti things instead of a bomb. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love those visuals you offered. I think, I think that's really helpful. I'm going to pull one of those out and turn it into a graphic. The guardrails of desire really stood out to me there. That was yeah. really powerful. Well, 
Thank you so much for being on this episode. I would not be surprised if listeners are really eager to work with you. Um, I will link your bio and website and everything in the show notes, but do you want to share like if they are hungry for some of your medicine, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram um, and TikTok. Um, I, TikTok is like a play space for me right now. So yeah. you can watch ridiculous videos, but um, more serious stuff on Instagram. Um, and you can sign up for my newsletter. I have a weekly newsletter. It's Love Letters from the Liminal. Um, you get like a weekly exploration of some spiritual topic in your inbox every Friday. Um, and then if they want to work with me one-on-one, I do the tarot empowerment sessions. I do ancestor work sessions. Um, and I have some cool tarot classes on my website as well. Yeah. So if folks want to also learn from me. That is an option too. Yeah. And um, really cool. We already talked about that call to be a teacher in your chart, but a really conscious and ethical educator. So really grateful for the work that you do. All right. Well, we'll wrap up the episode. Lex, thank you so much again for being on the podcast and sharing your insight with everyone going through their Saturn return. It was a pleasure listening to you today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast, a Saturn return series with Lex from thelexritchie.com. If you are curious about connecting with Black South Apothecary, I've also linked their handle on Instagram in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. I have more Saturn Return guests that are scheduled and will be on the podcast, so if this was exciting for you and you are in your Saturn Return and you want to keep engaging with this transit from professionals that have already been through it and are here to offer you their perspective, make sure that you subscribe and turn on notifications for the podcast. I release new episodes every single week. This is the preferred astrology forecast for witches at work. And I'm constantly talking about professional alchemy and ways to cast magic in your career. So I'd love it if you connected with me on socials as well. You can find ways to connect with me, The Corporate Coven, Black South Apothecary, and Lex, all in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Corporate Coven Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.